0: podcasting what a fucking racket you think it's just as easy as picking a movie for the week and talking about it with your brother it's not believe me whenever you're dealing with greg it's never that easy john wanted to do these one of these other dinosaur movies that are older than the vaccine for rickets me i wanted to do something new And by new, I mean return to the same well we've been to a thousand times before, the 90s. You remember the 90s, Muppet Babies, How Bizarre, all that shit. So here we are again doing one of these basic cable classics. You know, all those movies that 30-year-old lonely people love to fawn over. Something to give them to do on their Saturdays. And of course I went with Scorsese. No, I'm Marty. Marty to his friends. I mean, you people, you don't know that, but anyway. The only reason it's on basic cable so much is because it's 3 hours. they got time to fill. It's either this or a marathon or fixer-upper. I knew John wouldn't like the movie. He doesn't like any movie. Any The first sign of boredom, he goes straight to his phone and starts playing Pokemon Go. Pokemon Go, can you believe that? A grown man in 2017 playing Pokemon Go. <laughs> I mean, there's a million Scorsese joints we could have gone with. We could have gone with Raging Bull, Taxi Driver. Hell, I'd even rather see that Hugo movie. I don't even know what that's about. Some kid and some mechanical who's it. Instead, here we are, watching the last bit of when De Niro and Pesci were relevant. And he had stopped sticking his nose in the funny dust, if you know what I mean. Eh, it's just no more rich to it. It's just product now. It's like Disney. I mean, it should have been perfect. De Niro, Pesci, John, me. It should have been a match made in heaven, but it turns out it's the last time that Streetwise podcast hosts like us ever got anything that fucking valuable again. I'm mad at you, Greg. Why? Because we originally had an R&R scheduled for this week, for new listeners, hello, hello everybody. Welcome to the Aspiring Snobs. This is how it usually goes. This is how we usually start. I yeah. exp- I air my grievances to Greg, <laughs> yeah. because Greg is a terrible person. I'm a great person. Um, the point of this podcast is to expand our cinematic horizons and see classics that you know are, are people feel are required viewing. Mm-hmm. Now, every so often we have what we call an R and R, where we look at recent releases. Again, totally mm-hmm. switch up the format. New classics, yeah, with an umlaut, and mm-hmm. new classics. Yes, and we were going to do one at the very end of the year. It could, it could because it being Oscar time. hmm. You know, a ton of, you know, good movies coming out. However, um, we decided to switch it up. hmm. And, and now you're mad at me for switching it up. Why? It's because we were going to do Star Wars as one <laughs> of the recent releases. Uh-huh. And so I have obviously seen Star Wars. I saw it the weekend it came out, and I have so many thoughts. I know I've, so many thoughts uh, i I went to the theater alone because i'm <laughs> I'm a cool person. <laughs> because they are just a classy sophisticated who couldn't be distracted by friends or family. Exactly. And mm-hmm. I thought, you know, maybe we can just put it off another week. Come on. It's another star, it's a third Star Wars movie in 3 years. I mean, come on. How how much could it be in people's collective conscience?
1: Mm-hmm. It turns out
0: a lot. <laughs> yes. And I have so many thoughts. I have so As many, many do I? As emotions. I. So yes. many emotions. But yeah, we're going to have to wait till next week to just discuss and, about that. We'll, we'll yeah, have when, the last word. <laughs> we'll be two weeks late, but we'll have the last word. <laughs> when all the hot takes are now lukewarm, mm-hmm. that's when we'll come in. When you've already put it out of your brain. So, great. Yeah. Good job, Greg. Great. Fantastic. Oh, I, yeah, I We'll speak specifically to those Star Wars fans, those super fans, <laughs> of, of whom it's never out of their brains. <laughs> no. That, I it guess never leaves fair. their collective conscience. Yeah. But instead, this week, we decided to revisit... A movie that Greg has been looking forward to doing ever since we started this podcast. Absolutely, because the premise of the show is to look at cinematic classics, but also to expose each other mm-hmm. <laughs> to films that we desperately want them to see. So in the past, John's uh, made me watch some films that he's preferred, and now I'm, I've pushed and pulled and gotten John to see a movie that I've really wanted to watch. Greg forced me to watch this week Casino. <laughs>
1: could resist. Anywhere else in the country, I was a bookie, a gambler, always looking over my shoulder, hassled by cops day and night. But here, I'm Mr. Rothstein. I'm not only legitimate, but running a casino. And that's like selling people dreams for cash. I hired an old casino pal, Billy Sherbert, as my manager, and I went to work. I'm For guys like me, Las Vegas washes away your sins. It's like a morality car wash. It does for us what Lourdes does for humpbacks and cripples.
0: He's a classic, John. He makes, I don't know if you heard this. He makes the best films. Mm. He makes the best films. Mm. <laughs> now, Greg. Yeah. What was the fourth episode we've ever done for this podcast? Uh, that was indeed Goodfellas, a movie you had never seen before. Now, yes. Goodfellas is in my probably personal top twenty. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest films of all time. I'm sure many other men, white men my age, would agree. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, you claim it's fine. Again, I don't think. I think you were. You weren't paying attention. You didn't give it any credence. <laughs> I, <laughs> You're the wrong one. Let's put a poll out to America and prove <laughs> that you were wrong. <laughs> However, on Casino, <laughs> might be a little. Okay, different. justify. Justify your choice. Because Casino, even though I had never seen both these films, mm-hmm. I knew that Casino is basically just lukewarm Goodfellas. It's the leftovers from Goodfellas. It, it's just like, what's all the footage we didn't use? <laughs> all right, let's just take that and then place it in Las Vegas, and then just shoot a bunch of new stuff, and just do Goodfellas again. Again, yeah, it is a redo a redux. Mm. Sorry, I just sounded really pretentious Ooh, a there. Ooh, redoua. Yeah, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> it is a, a redux of Goodfellas, essentially. Goodfellas was a, a big hit in 1990, didn't quite take home Best Picture, but ob- obviously audiences responded hugely mm-hmm. to it. And yeah. so Universal Pictures in the early 90s said, hey, Martin Scorsese and writer Nicholas um mm-hmm. here's $50 million, do that again. <laughs> and thankfully, they found the story of Le- Lefty Rosenthal and uh, Anthony Spataro mm-hmm. and basically got... Robert De Niro back and Joe Pesci, Ray Liotta, I don't know, who's going to do something else. Uh, who knows? KFC commercials. <laughs> I don't know. But they got them back and they told a, a very similar story. Um, but I think this movie has its own merits. And that's actually the, what I want to... I don't want... This is this was my motivation um, for bringing it to you. Because mm-hmm. you look at this movie from afar and you think, oh, that's just Goodfellas again. Mm-hmm. that's just a cynical, you know, studio project where they just, you know, want to redo. Again, it's like a sequel, and so I can dismiss it. Yeah. However, I think it's it's like a it's like a continuation of everything that's great about Goodfellas. Not not as good as Goodfellas, I mean, few movies are. But, you know, with some some minor improvements. Um, but John, again, this isn't about me. <laughs> this is about you. <laughs> it's always about me. Absolutely. And I was waiting for you to get back to me. <laughs> The important exactly, component yeah. of the podcast. Again, for new listeners, we don't we don't listen to each other. We no, say our but... piece and yeah, just talk <laughs> talk past each other. Ideally, we'll each be able to get our word in. Edgewise, but mm-hmm. um, not if I have anything to say about it. I thought this movie was just as good as Goodfellas. Has some better qualities, but also um, some not so as good qualities. Um, I will give it this much credit: it mm-hmm. is amazingly fleet of foot for a three-hour movie. Oh and yeah. I think all the credit goes to the editor, Thelma... Uh, what's her name? Shit. Uh, Thelma Schoonmaker. Schoonmaker. Uh, Thelma Schoonmaker. Three Oscars to... she has to her name, John. Oh, she's amazing. Yeah. Has she always worked with Scorsese? Uh, pretty much, yeah. I think they used yeah. to be married, too. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Making it work. Yep. <laughs> but no, like this movie has such a great energy to it for a three-hour movie. It never feels its length. So that's kind of impressive. Again, with the Goodfellas comparison, I think to its strength and also its detriment is the fact that it doesn't have Henry Hill as a main character and Henry mm. Hill acts as a kind of audience surrogate for Goodfellas. He's introducing you to a world that most middle Americans are probably not used to. This movie sadly doesn't have that. It kind no. of like drops you right in literally yeah. and has to rely on a lot more narration to kind of explain things. Probably a little too much. Let's be honest. Yeah. That's, that's probably the movie's biggest merit in that, um, like *Goodfellas*, there's a uh, voiceover narration from our main characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, being based on a memoir that was already written at that point, uh, this is this a *Casino* is technically based on a book, but it hadn't come out yet. Because again, this is a commercial product, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, that voiceover is a great, uh, credit to the film and leads to some really funny moments. This is, you're right. It's very redundant. (laughs) There isn't, there isn't as much need for, uh, the, the voiceover narration here. I will, I will push back on that note about not having Ray Liotta Mm because here's something, here's something I think where this movie quite kind of improves. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, Henry Hill in Goodfellas is kind of like our audience surrogate. Mm -hmm. However, if there, if there's one demerit I have for that movie, it's that he's, he's kind of just an observer. That is true, and he's not—he's not really an active protagonist. Like, let's take a, a random scene, like the—the uh, the murder of Billy Bats in—in Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. Again, he's just kind of—he's just kind of sitting back in that. Here, we're following Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci, and they're kind of—if you watch this movie as many times as I have—you see them as like two sides <laughs> of the coin. You know, one mm. living in opulence, the other one, you know, more the foot soldier in the mafia. Yes, a very interesting dynamic, which was previously explored in Goodfellas, (laughs) because they're basically playing the same characters. uh, Well, no, they're they're the same side of the psychotic coin in Goodfellas, Mm, I would argue. No, (laughs) no, they're the the same characters that they were in Goodfellas. Rob De Niro is playing the calculating cerebral one, Joe Pesci Mm -hmm. is playing the aggressive um, short-fused one who will kill someone without batting an eye. Uh, on on the surface level, John. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> However, if you do a deep reading of this movie as I have, I mean you do I mean Robert De Niro's character obviously goes through much more of an arc in this one than he yeah. does in mm-hmm. Goodfellas. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, the movie opens with him getting blown up. <laughs> <call> him, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was about to say this being a more Hollywood or well, they're both Hollywood products, this movie and Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. But Casino it, the stakes have also been kind of raised. Like, it, you've got you've got much more, like, kind of operatic drama going on here. And as mm-hmm. you said, like, literally him getting blown up in the first very first scene. And mm-hmm. the opening credits are set to this um, opera, which I don't recognize. I'm sure you did, but... <laughs> <laughs> I do love the uh, opening credits to this. I thought that they were great. Mm-hmm. And I thought... And I was hoping it would draw you in, but, you know... It did draw me in. No, okay. I think this is a very good film. Um, okay. But again, just like Goodfellas, I think it's very good. Do I consider it a classic? And not so much. Well, this this is where we we'll get into it. Okay, let's because, get into it. Because John, this isn't just a two-hander. There's a third person in here mm-hmm. that uh, really that really steals the show, and that's Sharon Stone as Robert De Niro's love interest Ginger. Mm. See, and, um, um all right, continue. But I think we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna find some disagreements here. Yeah, I uh, well, I think uh, contemporary times will find some disagreements here. <laughs> Because I, I, again, probably a big theme that also like Goodfellas doesn't have because that's a Goodfellas is about a family too. It's really about Karen too, and she's much more of a fleshed out character. This is about this is about Robert De Niro's character, who's got his name's uh, Sam Ace Rothstein, and his the love of his life, which is Ginger, who's a prostitute mm-hmm. who does not love him back. I mean, she loves she loves material things, but she doesn't really love him. Yeah, exactly. On that, he tries level. his he tries his hardest to pretty woman this. Uh, person, but clearly, <laughs> she's no Julia Roberts. <laughs> I just, no. Because you can, take the, you can take the woman off the streets, but you can't take the streets out of the woman. Am I right, fellas? Come on. Uh, Good one. Yep. I, yeah. It's, speaking of things that don't really fly in 2017, um, <laughs> she goes through a character arc herself, and that's deep into addiction and then shrill screaming. <laughs> See and that's the and that's the other thing Goodfellas has over this movie. We mm-hmm. get Karen's perspective. She's the other narrator to Goodfellas whereas we don't get her internal dialogue in this movie. Oh well, yeah, again that's kind of like surface level when
1: mm-hmm. like
0: even without like I think you can still identify with Karen even outside of the that voiceover narration because you do see her shades to her and how they react to their situation with mm-hmm. With um, Sharon Stone's character, it is just kind of one note.
1: What's the matter? What do you mean? What's the matter? I made a lot of money for you. I want my cut. What money? I've seen you stealing from me.
0: What money? Look at the stack of chips. Don't give me that Ginger, shit. I I've want my cut. I've been watching head. you all night. Don't, Don't you give me that shit. I you. want back
1: and my cut. I'm not
0: stealing from you.
1: Get, get lost, John. Get, get lost. lost. Yes. Get lost. Get lost. Yes.
0: Well, or at least it progresses. It it goes through one long arc, but you don't see those those peaks and valleys that you do in the, in let's say Joe Pesci's character, for instance. Well, no, and we're squarely focused on um, Robert De Niro's character and his arc. So then, when we do see kind of changes in Sharon Stone's character, it's kind of like feels very. Kind of like we're jumping ahead, like oh, okay, she's drinking more and more. Oh, okay, she's tying her kid to the bed so she doesn't no, have t- to get a babysitter. <laughs> well, hang on, that happens much later. You, again, with pacing wise, you didn't know that that happened an hour later. <laughs> There's a lot of pill popping in between then, and yeah, a lot of James tru- Woods. Very true. And, and yes. James Woods will do that to any woman. <laughs> oh, that's true. That James Woods. Oh, how yeah. can you resist <laughs> that loser in the leisure suit? Ooh, <laughs> be still my heart. <laughs> Uh, Sharon Stone is definitely giving a uh, kind of star-studded performance. Yeah, she was nominated for an Oscar, technically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so see, classic. Every great movie has been nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know who's not giving a great performance? Don Rickles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a, this is a, a curious choice. Um, a lot of the small bit parts in this movie are filled by comedians. Mm-hmm. Um, and then told to tell no jokes or be comedic in any way. <laughs> yeah, just be completely flat. Obviously, yeah. they don't have room to kind of give a performance. Like, Kevin Pollack's in this movie, and I don't even remember who he played. I don't even remember seeing him. He, but he's he like played... one of the top-billed people. I know, he played Alan Green, and basically, if we get into the weeds of their uh, scheme. Which, by the way, this um, in Goodfellas, you kind of get a little uh, a, a taste of the different kind of aspects of of mob life and their and their org- criminal organization. Mm-hmm. In this movie, it's literally just, oh, they take money from the casino and don't pay taxes on it. That's it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they just skim off the top. Yeah, and maybe that's why also um, Kevin Pollock's character didn't register because he was just supposed to be a, a squeaky clean, you know, Irish Protestant front for the company. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not, you know, and that's why his character doesn't register because he's only in like three scenes and he's just like, you know, just a, straight as an arrow, just not not registering at all but that's also kind of one of the things I liked about this movie is the fact that it takes place in a world of hustlers is the fact that we don't get any delineation between like, you know, the gangsters and the straight people. It's like, everyone is just trying to get by. Everyone's trying to get theirs. And so everyone has different varying levels of degrees of um, impropriety that they're willing to participate in. I thought that was kind of an interesting twist on the kind of formula that's true i mean um probably the scene that's most indicative of that is uh the casino that robert de niro's character owns they have Mm -hmm. to employ the son-in-law of a senator that is true and he's pretty and he's pretty useless (laughs) it shows how kind of multiple scenes yeah yeah it shows how kind of corrupt not just the gangsters are but the level above them the actual government is all just based on nepotism yeah and that's Mm -hmm. that, that leads to one of my favorite scenes um Again, very sl- when you consider the energy of the rest of the movie, this scene very placid. It's just a, a shot, reverse shot of Robert mm-hmm. De Niro and a character I think played by oh shoot, I can't remember the the character. Um... Well, it's it's supposed to be Harry Reid, essentially <laughs> beloved Senator Harry Reid, <laughs> and it's this cowboy who again is originally from there, speaking to an Italian who's invaded his home his home turf. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, you do get kind of you do get a wild contrast there. That's the other thing to to speak, and I think it is a a small demerit to the movie in that you are conscious that you're watching a movie and seeing you know. And seeing, you know, the contrasts and differences that you expect in a piece, in a work of art rather than, let's say, real life. I I guess that's fair. I mean, personally for me, I like a movie to kind of remind me that it's a movie. For me, that kind of feels absorbing. I hate movies that are kind of like, oh, look how realistic it is. <laughs> it's it's like a slice. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a slice of life. I don't go to the movies for life. Okay. <laughs> I go to movies to escape from life. So yeah. I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Um. But you raised an interesting point, which is, and I guess we didn't really talk about this when we first opened. Robert De Niro is playing Sam Rothstein, and <laughs> they're obviously making a point that he is Jewish. Well, that's well, the the character he's playing was called Lefty Rosenthal, and he mm-hmm. yeah, he was he had Italian and Jewish heritage, and okay. that's just kind of yeah, that's just kind of how they identified him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, when. Joe Pesci is recruited to basically be his muscle.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think they the the the, char- the character who's the mob boss his name's Remo. He basically mm-hmm. says like look out for the Jew. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how they identify him. I, I I don't think it's 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 motivated out of anti, any anti-semitism but <laughs> again maybe another element of the movie that doesn't fly 22 years later. <laughs> no, it's not just that. I just don't think Robert De Niro can play anything but Italian. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, yeah, you, he might be half Italian, but the way Robert De Niro's playing him, mean, he's pretty much full Italian. I didn't get any kind of like, and like, I don't know, uh, maybe that's on my part. Like, what am I expecting? He should have an inhaler and be like, oh, jeez. <laughs> I was going to say, did you want to have a mitzvah? Like, a... <laughs> I wanted him to, you know, use more Yiddish terms, you know. <laughs> that's because you just saw the fiddler on the roof. <laughs> but that's. I know. I oh. just want to dabble in Yiddish stereotypes. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, let me tell you what I wanted. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I guess it goes into a lot of... I don't know about identity, but this is probably my favorite aspect of the movie in that, in a testament to how many times I've seen it, how many times, how many hours I've wasted on a three-hour movie, <laughs> mm-hmm. but the duality between uh, Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of mirrors, a lot of, you know, a lot of... Uh, Pretty obvious explanation in the voiceover, like you know, these mob bosses sit on high while I'm out here down here doing the dirty work. Yeah, and and there's some implication that also like like as as the mob bosses are taking something from the casino, are taking or skimming from the casino, he's skimming from some of the jobs that he's supposed to be sending back uh, for money that he's supposed to be sending back home. Exactly, and he's also Joe Pesci eventually starts using the casino as his own personal piggy bank because he has an in with Robert De Niro's character and obviously mm-hmm. he starts using it as an opportunity for him to just kind of gamble away his money but then you know he just you know doesn't pay up at the end of the night because he feels like he doesn't really have to and eventually Robert De Niro's character uh Sam has to you know they have to butt heads and so I think do think that's kind of a more like I said earlier part of what made this not feel like as rich of an experience because we have seen this dynamic before they are playing Essentially, or at least my mind, the same characters as they were playing in Goodfellas. You know? Yeah, but they didn't really come to blows like they do in this movie. Well, not blows, but no, uh, verbal blows. But yeah. yeah, but because this movie is more laser-focused on them, we do get more of that kind of character interplay. Mm. Whereas in Goodfellas, they were kind of a double act here. We kind of see them butting heads, and we see yeah. those two kind of personalities clash a lot more. Mm-hmm. Like in that kind of climactic scene, well, it's not quite the climax, it's only two and a half hours in. Um, <laughs> when they drive out and they have to meet in the desert because it's the only uh, place they know that's safe that it's not bugged. Because yeah. at this point, the uh FBI is really coming down on them, and they keep alluding to the fact that if you're going out that far, pretty let's hope that there's not a hole already buried <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah, again, my favorite scene, maybe of all time. <laughs> this is, I was gonna say, this is this is now. What people used to call a basic cable classic, like let's say it's on Saturday afternoon, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you'd put it on. Even if you're halfway through, you will sit down and watch it. This is what I now call a YouTube classic. YouTube will link to little clips and things of this movie, and then I get go down a little wormhole (laughs) (laughs) and watching it over and over again. And this this is the one that always pops up, (laughs) Mm. Um, just because of the the, let's say the colorful language that they employ. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. (laughs) <laughs> which we'll not repeat for you here. No. <laughs> cuz it's a family podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about a family movie cuz
1: <laughs> Meeting in the middle of the desert always made me nervous. It's a scary place. I knew about the holes in the desert of course and everywhere I looked there could have been a hole. Normally my prospects of coming back alive from a meeting with Nikki were 99 out of 100. But this time when I heard him say couple of hundred yards down the road, I gave myself 50-50. talking to people about me behind my back going over my head what people what people would you think I wasn't gonna find out I don't even know what you're talking about Nick no you said I'm bringing heat on you I gotta listen to people because of your fucking shit? You're ordering me out? You better get your own fucking army, pal. I didn't do anything. I mean, I didn't order you or anybody. I only told Andy Stone that you had a lot of heat on you, and that was a problem. You want me to get out of my own fucking town? Yeah, I said, let, let the bullshit blow over for a while so I can run the casino. Anything goes wrong with the casino, it's my ass. It's not yours, it's my ass. Uh, I don't know whether you notice know or not, but you only have your fucking casino because I made that possible. I'm what counts out here. Not your fucking country clubs or your fucking TV shows. And what the fuck are you doing on TV anyhow? You know, I get calls from back home every fucking day. They think you were shit. I'm only on TV because I gotta be able to hang around a casino. You understand
0: that. Your you know that. You fucking ass, you
1: could've had the food and beverage job without going on television. You wanted
0: to go on- um, I will. I will object to one thing you said, though, John. Mm-hmm. You said the movie at one point was laser-focused. I don't think there anything about this movie is focused. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot that can kind of be cut down and parred down <laughs> in the three-hour runtime. I guess that's fair. Um, but again, c- because it keeps the pace up, it doesn't feel like it's kind of filler. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, again, I can speak to these kind of moments that you can definitely cut out. There's one scene... Um, Robert De Niro's character gets honored by the local country club or something like that. Oh yeah, And he explains, yeah, yeah. like, oh, he feels he made it. And then he's with his wife, Ginger, and then a young man comes over and is like, hey, congratulations, Mr. Rothstein. And then he, like, you know, flirts with his wife a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it literally culminates in in... in <laughs> Just the voiceover saying, like, you know, hey, it was a good kid, bold move, fucking balls in this kid. I fired him the next day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, again, the, it's a it's an utterly superfluous scene, but well, yeah, it's, enter- it's entertaining nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, and going back to that scene I was talking about with them meeting in the desert. They drive out into the desert, and you think it's going to be a big confrontation, and they yep. do argue and they do fight. But at the end of the day, what happens? Joe Pesci's like, ah, fuck you, and drives away. Just, yeah, <laughs> well, at nothing. Least, yeah, there's nothing comes of it. Yeah, well, at least there's a there's a thrilling component to that how the scene will end. <laughs> yeah, I guess, that's and there true. is a point because yeah, in the very next scene they go out. They each are at the same restaurant. They don't even acknowledge each other. Mm, yeah. and it's just the tension between the characters grows from there. Mm-hmm. But again, like, don't you feel like it's just too similar to Goodfellas? No, like, even no. where the even where the character <laughs> hey, John, arc- you speak as if that's a bad thing. <laughs> Okay, that's, that's not a fair criticism for you because obviously you suck good fellows off whenever you can. But, well, I'm a, a tenuous lover. I'm not that easy. <laughs> but even with the character arcs, they still end up in the same place. And one of the things I kind of liked but then was inevitably kind of disappointed is the movie opens with Robert De Niro getting blown up. But you still Mm -hmm. continuously hear his voiceover, so I thought he was, like, narrating this from beyond the grave. Yeah. But then we also get Joe Pesci's narration, so you assume, okay, he's still alive. He's giving his side of the story, even though, you know, Whoa, whoa, whoa. So you assumed one was speaking beyond the grave, and the other one was alive at this point? Exactly. Something like that, obviously. But then things change. And again, Savitzo's expectations, Mm -hmm. and it ends up just like *Goodfellas*. Robert De Niro's character actually lives, and Joe Pesci dies, because Joe Pesci, you know, his character obviously is too much of a loose cannon, and the bosses just get sick of him and betray him. Well, yeah. So, well, I mean, come on. Does that not play out exactly like it plays out in *Goodfellas*? No, wrong. Because in Goodfellas, Robert De Niro, Jimmy Burke goes to prison. And that's where uh, we get a little title card there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Pesci, uh, it looks like he's going to be a made guy. Uh, okay, I will grant you Joe Pesci's, <laughs> the character the character that Joe Pesci plays in both movies uh, mean a very similar demise. Um, I will say, so yeah, as the plot goes on, Joe Pesci again is playing a wild man and the bosses basically have enough with him and whack him. Mm-hmm. Also, the setup is is interesting because in Goodfellas we see it looks like he's going to be a made guy. It's going to be a wonderful ceremony. You know, there's a I think it's Eric Clapton or something like that's playing over the soundtrack, and they're all in their best three-piece suits. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then they just take him into an empty room. Like, oh no, music cuts and they shoot him and he's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, this has a very sim- similar uh, setup in that uh, the bosses are kind of executing their hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's set to, I think, The Animals, House of the Rising Sun, mm-hmm. and it's all very stylized. You see all these people getting mowed down. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, I, I laugh because I sound so glib. You know, again, it's a fictional movie, but this really did happen. Again, people really did get whacked for this little scheme. Well, um, and again, that's also what happens in Goodfellas. We get a montage of you know the mob bosses cleaning house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, what I liked about this, it looks like the song's winding down. It looks like, okay, Tommy's beating with his crew. He's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And that's when the narration cuts out, the music cuts out, and then we see the violence for probably the the gruesome reality that it is. (laughs) That's true, yeah. Because, yeah, now it's all flat shots and and much more gruesome than every other murder that came before it. And I guess in Goodfellas, he just gets kind of shot in the head, and here he gets beaten with bats. Yeah. And and also it's very reminiscent of uh, Take the the Cannoli scene from... uh, Good uh, Godfather. I got a lot of vibes from that scene. That too, yeah. Well, yeah. It a, you see the crew and you get a close-up of um, Frank Vincent, who's the other character. <laughs> he gets about one line of, of voiceover narration himself. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I, obviously that face doesn't give anything away, but you obviously insinuate in the character that, you know, he's regretful that he has to murder his friend like this. <sighs> I, yeah. I don't know. It, just, <laughs> it, it it didn't do enough different for me to justify its existence. From good Oh, it justifies existence. Well, I'm going to have to work a little harder then. Let's see. Yeah, what else you got? What else you got? Come on, come on. Convince Uh, me. Again, we haven't talked about James Woods. (laughs) It was a much more innocent time before we knew Uh, what James Woods was really like. Yeah. Um, Remember when he was on Family Guy? Oh, that was so fun. That was so fun, yeah. Uh, Well, now there's a rumor that... um, again they said okay James you're going to snort cocaine in this scene <laughs> and he didn't know he was acting oh <laughs> <Aww. laughs> he's just method that's all yeah that's yeah he's committed to his craft like Daniel Day-Lewis in Phantom Thread <laughs> mm-hmm. there you go <laughs> See, talk about that for an R&R one of these days. anyway <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah what else you got what else you got justify uh, this uh, let's, this let's is justify your pick this uh, okay um <laughs> Let's see. What else? Uh, again, going back to the, the active protagonist, um, one of my other favorite scenes, and it's because um, Robert De Niro's character has been so kind of controlled and sedate through most of the movie. Mm-hmm. And what he's really working for is to like be legit, be a square guy. Mm-hmm. And there's one of those scenes where he, uh, a little argument where he gets with Joe Pesci and and it escalates nicely because that l- later we see them in the desert and now they're screaming expletives at each other. This scene is a little more subdued. He's run his banker out, and that's we get that tension there. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the following scene, that he's sitting down to his hearing, he's going to get his gaming license, and the board just immediately refuses him. Exactly because yeah. and he, this, he fired someone who was the son-in-law of the yeah. senator, so obviously this is payback for that. Yeah. And so this is when he really goes off, and you see the and you see <laughs> and you see much more energy behind him, and mm-hmm. it really and it really draws me in in that moment because it's not ridiculous, it's not it's not histrionic at all, mm-hmm. but uh, again you're kind of drawn into this sympathize with this character even though he is um, <laughs> even though he is stealing and uh, playing off the addictions of people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now I know this is based on a true story, mm-hmm. but the fact that he went on to go host a late night talk show. Well, it felt felt like it strained credulity a little bit. Well, that was a a John Dirty Little Secret. That was like a cable access show. That was okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That was just local around the casino. He was not, he was not, you know, opening for Carson. (laughs) No, no, no. I, I, I got that, but it just, you know, obviously it's playing up to the fact that, you know, he's not being cautious anymore. No. And I don't know. It just, it felt like the movie kind of tipped its hand a little too far when that plot development happened. Well, I I think that's because also... it's also it's also like um, crescendoing nicely with Sharon Stone's character officially going off the rails. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, John, how would you like him to proceed from there in a non-boring way? I'm, I'm open to your ideas. <laughs> I, Whack some people, you know, wax some. Fans. <laughs> no, he's no John. He's a square guy. He's not a killer. That's he lets uh, Nikki Santoro do that. He's trying to go legit. Mm-hmm. This is as legit as he can go running a casino. Yeah. And, you know, being super fastidious, making sure every muffin has the exact amount of blueberries in it. Yeah. Again, speaking of, again, a completely superfluous scene, but... Entertaining, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. I will I will give credit, one more piece of credit to Robert De Niro here um, mm-hmm. before he gave up shortly after this. <laughs> right around um, Analyze This and uh, Showtime. Everyone remember Showtime, that movie? Anyway... <laughs> Uh, don't forget the Good Shepherd. And uh-huh. It's, it's, uh-huh. I know. Yeah, uh-huh. and nobody liked it. Yeah, you're welcome, America. Now he's doing <laughs> Dirty Grandpa. He tries, you don't care. Now you get Dirty Grandpa the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> we,
1: and, we don't get the heroes
0: we need. We get the heroes we deserve. <laughs> exactly. And we deserve uh, phoning it in Robert De Niro. <laughs> but what I, I think my, one of my, my other favorite moments of the movie is when he first sees Ginger. Mm-hmm. Um, she boldly, you know, brush, brushes off his, her, uh, her extra man for that night. She's a hustler. She's a, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, just throws all his chips and ch- throws all his chips in the air. And, um, it's a cliche moment. We hear that. We hear those bars of, you know, baby, you're the one. <laughs> <laughs> But there's a, it's a slow motion like dolly in on his face, and it's the same like stone expression, but just like that little like tiny little arch of the like, millimetric arch of the eyebrow or something like that, and he's giving away, he's conveying like worlds with his face, <laughs> that and true. that's the that, that's the kind of performance I love, not showy at all, but like again just those little itty bitty things you got to find mm-hmm. to show that vulnerability. So, mm-hmm. and I do like the scene when he eventually figures out, not that it takes much figuring out, mm-hmm. that. She's basically stolen his money to give to back to James Woods pimp. Oh yeah, and and then he's got to shake James Woods down essentially. Like he goes back to his his mafia roots there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They they meet at a diner. You know, at, at first it seems very cordial. You know, he lets him off with a warning, but obviously as soon as he gets back to his car, he's got three men assailing him with baseball bats. So yeah, <laughs> I did like that scene as well. Yeah. So they give they give Robert DeMiro Niro a, a a proper starring role, and he knocks it out of the park. So. Again, I don't see who could object to that. Yeah, mm, With the exception of the ending, I would say. Kind of. It doesn't really end with a bang, but with a whimper. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, a big trombone fart, pretty much. Because <laughs> it's not this. Yeah, because we see um, Nicky Santoro get killed. Mm-hmm. We see uh, he survives his car bombing. Mm hmm. But then that's connected to the implosion of all the old casinos. Basically, they, they, the Nevada Gaming Board—they pretty much ratted out all the mafia ties to the casinos and gave them mm-hmm. all the corporations. Essentially, yep. Um, but the problem is, <laughs> uh, Robert De Niro's voiceover narration laments this: "Like, oh no, <laughs> you know, oh, all the old casinos are gone. You know, they used to know your name and and grip you, but you know, <laughs> yep. Now it's all different. Now it's all now popular. it's like Disney World. <laughs> yeah." And yeah, you don't you don't buy it. <laughs> no, at least I don't buy it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like when they lament, like, oh, remember when New York used to be like in the '70s when people <laughs> were mugging you and you got stabbed like three times a day? Like, oh, those were the days. <laughs> yeah. And again, it just it cuts to Robert De Niro. He's gone back to being a bookie, just the simple mm-hmm. life. He's sitting at a desk, and he just slowly takes off his glasses. Fade to black. And that's it. Yeah, it's it's it. It doesn't deliver. No, it's not. Um, it's not the new Goodfellas. <laughs> no, it's, it's it not. Zoom in on Henry yet. Hill. You know, and now I get egg noodles and ketchup and having a little tribute to the Great Train Robbery at the end. It mm-hmm. it doesn't have that. No, no, now I gotta live the rest of my days like a schnook. Yeah, <laughs> it needed that. It needed that kind of like good poignant moment. That nice coda. <laughs> Instead, it, it ends with a classical suite that is literally called Contempt, and I don't know if it was contempt for the audience <laughs> to end it that way, but. <laughs>
1: after the tangiers the big corporations took it all over today it looks like disneyland and while the kids play cardboard pirates mommy and daddy dropped the house payments and juniors college money on the poker slots In the old days, dealers knew your name, what you drank, what you played. Today, it's like checking into an airport. And if you order room service, you're lucky if you get it by Thursday. Today, it's all gone. You got a whale show up with four million in a suitcase, and some 25-year-old hotel school kid is gonna want a social security number. After the Teamsters got knocked out of the box, the corporations tore down practically every one of the old casinos. And where did the money come from to rebuild the pyramids? Junk Bonds. Still not sure. Probable, maybe question. All right, well, let me know as soon as you can find out. But in the end, I wound up right back where I started. I could still pick winners, and I could still make money for all kinds of people back home. And why mess up a good thing? And that's that.
0: Well, it's also kind of mixed messages, because it's like, at least with uh, Henry Hill, you know, crime does not pay, with Rothstein, eh, it kind of worked out for him. Yeah, and he's <laughs> retired in San Diego. I mean, who wouldn't Who wouldn't want to live like that? <laughs> exactly. It's not like his life's any worse, for where? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He went through some experiences, but, you know, kind of mm. came out on top. Yep. He's fine. So, yeah, so, again, not a perfect movie, John. No. But perfect for me, and a movie that I, it particularly wanted to bring to people's attention. I think it has its merits, and I think we really explored those merits today. It's a it's a fine film. Again, if I have to recommend a three hour movie, this would probably be at the top of the list. A O. But what what are you saying about Lawrence of Arabia? It's this movie's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's it, I'll, the highest I'll go is it's very good. Okay, if you classic, th- debatable. Yes. If you are a 30 year old white male who is single and spends too much time on the internet like me, I think you'll adore this movie. <laughs> right again. The alley. Yeah. Again, Martin Scorsese makes the best films. He makes the best films. <laughs> Just the best films. Terrific, mm-hmm, b- yeah, terrific mm-hmm. guy. Met him once. Yep. He's great. Look at this. Well, Marty. Marty. Uh, oh, sorry. Mar- uh, Martin Scorsese. His friends call him Marty. I call him Marty. <laughs> <laughs> People are saying he's great. He's great. Okay. Have you heard this? Mm-hmm. It's wild. <laughs> Man, what a year two thousand seventeen has been. I know. I hope everyone enjoyed our final movie discussion officially of twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. But John, we have one more we have one more little spotlight for you. Spotlight, spotlight. 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 It's time, Robbie. It's time. A- one more little spotlight for Yes. And that's on the year twenty seventeen. Yes. Rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> <De-le-le-le-le>. <laughs> no, too too much, too much. <laughs> okay. Fine fine. I'll dial it back. I'll dial it back. It was a subdued year for film. It was. I uh, looking back on it, there was nothing particularly revolutionary. Um nothing that really made me jump out of my jump out of my uh movie chair saying you have to go see this movie other than Dunkirk maybe. Um but again that's because I'm a thirty year old cracker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um sadly the best movies I've seen this year, uh according to IMDb, didn't come out in 2017, so <laughs> don't <laughs> yeah, really I, know if I can officially say what my favorite movie of 2017 is, but... Yeah, I think that's emblematic of the year, kind of taking it safe. Mm-hmm. Because what that speaks to, what IMDb is saying, is that these movies were officially released in the film festivals of 2016, to release released around Oscar time, but then the distributors said, like, eh, let's just stick them in the middle of the year, you know, mm-hmm. and just kind of, like, put them out there. Again, like a movie like Colossal. Yeah a movie we saw and discussed and and we both liked. I think you loved it. I mean Oh, I loved it. Yeah, yeah, that's the movie I was referring to. That's the best movie I've seen all year. And according to IMDb it didn't come out this year. So whatever. No, it came out. Yeah, it came out yeah. in uh at the Toronto Film Festival in 2016 and with the with the hopes that it would get, you know, best picture uh, an Oscar a uh, uh, best actress attention for Anne Hathaway. Mm-hmm. You know, Jason Sudeikis in a different role. Like, oh, maybe some awards attention. Uh, awards attention there. Yeah, and it just and the distributors didn't have the confidence in it. You know, just business wise, it just didn't materialize. They kind of dumped it in April this year. I mean, and it still got plenty of attention, and I think you know made a fair chunk of change. But I think that was kind of the wiser decision because it's definitely a very iconoclastic movie with a very kind of specific audience. I think making an os not making an Oscar push was the right decision for that movie, even though it is very good. it's definitely not an awards baity movie. It's no lion. let's be honest 19. <laughs> well, maybe that's the other, maybe that's where we're missing John, all these Weinstein products <laughs> there you go that's why that's why this movie seems so dry. this movie season seems so dry. We have no Kevin Spacey and we have no Harvey Weinstein to buoy hmm. everything up. I know yeah, <laughs> well, I think some movies deserve Oscar attention um. Again, I think Dunkirk was exceptional, but also safe, sort of like you know, it was a it was a movie kind of staying in its lane. Mm-hmm. And uh, but maybe do you think that was a case with other blockbusters? Like, cause I saw Guardians of the Galaxy two, and we didn't really talk about it, mm-hmm. or you did. I hadn't seen it at that point, but um, I don't know. It just didn't feel it just didn't feel the same the second time around. I I think this year was kind of a weird year for blockbusters because kind of the blockbusters that got more attention were kind of more cerebral and really yeah and like logan and war for the planet of the apes and then the more traditional blockbusters like guardian of the galaxy volume 2 they were kind of recognized for the kind of candy coated junk food that they were so it's like it kind of felt like they came and went same thing with like spider-man spider-man homecoming is fine But it's just like, it's like vapor. It kind of like comes and goes. Yeah, I think, well, when you're speaking to that, I think that's what makes people remember Logan a little bit more and like how, how dowdy that that film is Mm -hmm. Um, compared to all the other blockbusters, uh, particularly the Marvel ones, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Spider-Man, Thor Ragnarok. We're all like getting really jokey exactly and a little bit more lighthearted and uh, even star wars we'll get to we'll get to that next week but you know mm. i felt like uh blockbuster tried to get in a little more lighthearted direction or you know don't. tried to maybe force the fun a little bit don't get me started okay cuz if i get started i'll go on for like another 2 hours but oh john don't don't tease us don't tease us like this <laughs> so many emotions so many thoughts mm-hmm. yep so many scalding hot takes yep don't worry we'll have the final word john on that okay yeah <laughs> But yeah, I think independent cinema didn't really deliver. Because no. I saw, yeah, I saw, I I went to the art houses this year, John. I don't know about you. No, <laughs> I don't, I don't look at you. Yeah, and the movies again, I responded to. were That's directors. not fair. You live in L.A. Okay, okay. This is everything true. opens yeah. up where you are. Mm-hmm. Even though we're uh, only two hours away, San Diego gets nothing. Nothing. Yeah, well, that's not true. You have the wonderful Landmark Theater. That is true. That is fair. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I never got a chance to see the Florida Project, which has been on a lot of. Top's Critics List. I don't know if you got a chance mm-hmm. to see that. No, I haven't yet. Ugh. Well, what, what the hell are you doing then? I do, well, I've got to tell you, I, uh, other than Dunkirk, my other favorite movie this year was uh, After the Storm by Hirokazu mm-hmm. Um But again, that's just a director doing what I like about him, you know, <laughs> just doing what he does best. And yeah, yeah there's, nothing, there's nothing new or kind of like different about it, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still good. Don't get me wrong, but you know. Yeah, so I had Terence Malik with Knight of Cups basically doing what he does best. Oh yeah, yeah, song to song that too. Yeah. Oh yeah, song to song, sorry. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> See, I I can't even keep keep trying <laughs> that. that's that's probably not a good sign, yeah. <laughs> and then you also saw a ghost story. Oh yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh again, if you want to talk about like arty stuff, yeah, I I don't know what else to say about it cuz it is so quiet and there's so little about it that really jumps out at you. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Again, there's not much that's revolutionary about a, a four-minute scene where Rooney Mara eats a pie. <laughs> <laughs> Great, and I'm not arch. saying not saying it's bad, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying you, you gotta you gotta really have the taste for that. Yeah, you really gotta have the taste for that vegan pie. <laughs> well, okay, so I'm gonna bring up what I was really gonna bring up for Spotlight this week until we decided mm-hmm. to talk about 2017 as a whole. And again, it's one of my favorite movies of the year even though technically it came out in 2015. Mm-hmm. I recently caught on Amazon Prime a movie called Manifesto. Ah, isn't hey. that um an uh, Errol Morris joint? Errol Morris? No. No, okay. Yeah. That, never mind i way wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, Errol Morris did Warm Wood. That's where you're thinking of him. Which is very weird. We got about yeah. fifteen minutes into the first episode, and we were like, "What is this?" So, <laughs> I, just, I saw. it was like, "Wait, am I watching a movie starring Peter Skarsgård, or am I watching a Neil Morris documentary?" And exactly. I don't know, yeah, I don't know if the, the Twain shall meet there, but you know, maybe maybe I'll visit it over the over the holidays. We'll see. No, so Manifesto is by a, a, a filmmaker named Julian Rosefeld, Ro, uh, mm-hmm. and it stars. Kate Blanchett is 27 different roles. <laughs> ah, this is the movie we were talking yeah. about. <laughs> and she's reading she it, it's it's an art film. There's no mm-hmm. plot, there's no story. It's literally just Kate Blanchett and She's just reading these manifestos, but they're all in these very different kind of cliché scenarios. And mm-hmm. when you want a character giving their best cliché performances, you obviously cast, like, Kate Blanchett. The cliché, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> There's nothing cliché about her. <laughs> Greg, come on. She's just all her... fire all the time. <laughs> and that's, that's what tall, makes her gr- a Tall, tall fire. <laughs> and that's what makes her great in this movie. Mm-hmm. It is just, it is an, it's just a... It's just a wondrous piece of art that you just get absorbed in, even though, you know, obviously mentally it's not, you know, very taxing watching it. It's not very challenging, mm. but it's just. If they gave an Oscar for a Location Scout, this would win for the past three years because this movie <laughs> is absolutely amazing. Just the places that they found and were able to shoot in. It's just an absolutely gorgeous film. Okay. And it's just so absorbing and just kind of like it has this great kind of irony, this great sense of humor as you have Cape Blanchett reading directly from this manifesto about art and Dada as mm-hmm. a newscaster or as in the form of a prayer with her family. It's like, we're all just going to sit down and then she's, you know, they all fold their hands and close their eyes and she starts talking about, you know, art and the nature of human existence. And, you know, if we want to paint this shit, we want the shit to be different colors. You know, it's just, it's, <laughs> I, I, I absolutely love this film, and I want everyone to seek it out, so it's probably one of the best films I've seen in 2017, even though it came out in 2015 as an art installation, so thanks, IMDb. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, John. I didn't mean to, you know, (laughs) run all over your your spotlight. I'm glad you, you know. No, 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 it's fine. Like, as long as I got a chance to talk about it. I just, you know, I had this on my heart, and I had to get it out there. Okay. (laughs) And that's what art is, isn't it, you know? Yep. It's just something you have on your heart that's so hard to keep it inside. You can't. Yes. And you, just have to, you just have to share with the world. I'm just hard all the time. Yeah. You work. You slave. You drive yourself like a locomotive. Actually, if we're just going to do a spotlight, what I just quoted was Martin Scorsese playing Vincent Van Gogh in <laughs> an Akira Kurosawa movie called Dreams. And you should go check that movie out. Fine. Fine. <laughs> See, John, I give your movies credence. I'm going to go check out Manifesto now on, where is it? Amazon Prime? <laughs> Amazon Prime. Okay, yeah. And you're welcome to check out Dreams on in my DVD collection from Warner Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> it's on Criterion. I'm yeah, sure. I know everything. Yeah. Everything Actually, is it's not. Somewhere. That's the thing. Yeah. What? Exa- yeah, I was stunned to find that they've literally every other Kurosawa movie except that one. Janus Films, you fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> We're not sponsored, by the way. Just yeah. If anything, you should avoid Amazon, Warner Brothers, and <laughs> Janus Films, maybe. <laughs> It's all garbage. the world's yeah. all garbage. Let mm-hmm. let 2017 die. Let the past no, die. I, it's, yeah. <laughs> kill it, kill it if you have to, John. Mm-hmm. Let's kill it. Mm-hmm. Let's kill it right now. Hey, social media, you know, subscribe, give us a review, five stars. Yeah. You know, right? yeah. Apple Podcast, Stitcher, you know the drill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody, for listening, though. And John, we've been. Can you believe we've made it a whole year? It's amazing. I know, a, a str- like a almost complete fifty-two straight episodes. We did take almost. a week off because yeah. we're we are supremely lazy, and yeah, obviously just... that comes off on every episode we do. But I don't think, <laughs> John, I take copious notes. I come prepared. Most I of the... I do not. <laughs> most of the time, <laughs> it's all top of the dome, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I hope we um, do even better in twenty eighteen. Oh, we will. I know. We'll come prepared. Again, you have your thoughts on Star Wars. I have mm-hmm. mine. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a fiery episode next week. Yes. We'll have th- we'll have thoughts on Lady Bird. Mm-hmm. The disaster artist. Yep. Three you'll billboards talk about ma- three... outside Ebbington, Missouri. Yeah. It's gonna be and great. I'm sure you'll have more thoughts on, on Manifesto. <laughs> <laughs> I will not stop talking about Manifesto for weeks on end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, whatever, she's just tall. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yep, we're ending ending 2017 with shade. (laughs) (laughs) You're as cold as ice cream, Mantel. But in all earnestness, thank you, everybody, for listening. We love you, and we hope you a wonderful new year. Mm -hmm. And until next time, until next year, keep aspiring.